Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we bounce back. We're back, baby. From illness. Yeah, and the NFL. There's Americans that come over here showing us the beautiful game of American football and their variant diseases. Although yeah. there was 80,000 people, we definitely caught some it. Definitely got something. Went to Wembley to watch the NFL. Had we a also, great time. We also went to the Burger King on the, M, on the M1. Could have been that. Could have been the Burger King. Could have been Could've the been. motorway. It, Zombieland started with a dodgy burger. <laughs> and we had to wait a while. No, 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 no. Don't want to rant. <laughs> Don't want to rant. Sometimes, you know, life finds a way. Other times, life gets in the way. We've had different things happening over the last two weeks. Uh, but we are back, baby, for yeah. another episode of Sorry Mussy, the Hayek Tame podcast that holds no bars <laughs> as we talk about movies and films like two nerds. Hi, Octavia. You can still you can still tell we're still suffering your face. We're of that age now where when you sneeze, you're gonna have a cold for a while. You still buckling. What, what do you what do you do when you're ill? Because I I like I, I used to I, I have this thing where I thought in my twenties you were the man. I was like fucking flu <laughs> you know like, nothing gets in the way of Aaron and now now it's like it's like a good two weeks I feel crap yeah no it's I always go through the phases of, like the first phase is the worst where you're delirious you're like I could take on the empire you, mm. no you couldn't you're the guy that dies you're talking about how they could take on the empire <laughs> nowadays it's it's another suffer afterwards I wrap up mate and I tell you what I always used to think that I was like, I was like I'm I used to be this guy I never get ill a lot, but when, he, when I'm ill, it gets me. Yeah. And then Esther, the other day, was like, I've known you two years. You're just a moaning bitch. <laughs> and I was like, fair play. She knows me quite well. <laughs> well, I always get I always get uh, ill in October for a week or two. And, and that's common because obviously it's flu season. It's, yeah. you know, it's, the, it's the end of the summer into, into the autumn. Time. I do always try to get ill a second week of December, though, because then you get the cold out of the way just in time for Christmas. Yeah, I, I like to get it done once. Yeah, oh, you only need once. I, I, I only need to get it once, James. I'm, oh, no, I'm not I'm... looking for anything in December. I'm busy. It's just when I make most of my friends. <laughs> it's like we December. Oh, you got cold? Let's share. But like, like, and also when I was younger and in my 20s, I didn't really medicine up. Do you know what I mean? You, thought, now, you, were, you thought you were right. You were like, I don't need no lem sip. Yeah, now I'm like Rambo and Rambo 4. Yeah. I'm like, like <laughs> just do it. Just like, <laughs> instead of like bullets, it's paracetamol and lem sip. <laughs> I've gone to that stage where I genuinely Googled, you know, how, how often paracetamol, ibuprofen, I always say these wrong to irritate us, so I actually can no longer remember the right way to say it. It's two hours, mate. Two hours, paracetamol. Two hours later, ibuprofen. The cycle continues, mate. Throw in some cold and flu tablets. Tell you what I do swear by. Sainsbury's own cold and flu night capsules. They knock you out, mate. You get a good night's sleep. There you go. <laughs> I'm so freaking old. Yeah, but it's, it's good advice. Someone might be listening to this a little bit ill and yeah. put, put us on just to, to soothe their airways and to, to help them out and, and listen to two, two middle-aged, well, middle-30s. We're middle-aged, right? Is that middle-aged though? Because I'm I don't intend to... that I am 30. Yeah, but I still don't intend to die at 80. <laughs> I, I plan to get to 92. I, I, I hope I last that long. <laughs> I was just looking at my life the other day. It was like, my midlife crisis was in my 30s. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I, I, I shaved me yet. My <laughs> my thing is, I, I I'm going for ninety two. Is the is the number I'm going for? That's nice. Um, and I'm just going to say now, after eighty, <laughs> it's anything goes. It's still done. Anything goes after eighty. I'm going to be the worst granddad. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to die. I tell you what, I do do when I'm ill. I do watch a lot of TV and I do watch some movies. There you go. I saw you put this up this week, asking people what they watch when they're real. Great question. So genuinely, I think, and I, and I like to point out, I got everyone's answers in and I've worked out what I think the best movies are. I wonder if you agree. When I was young and I was ill enough to stay away from home, 
It's a VHS recorded copy of E.T. We talked about it on our yeah. E.T. episode. I always associate E.T. with being ill, having, having cream of soup. Not a cup of soup, cream of soup. It's like the worst of the soups. It, it's, it's so that when you get to the bit when Elliot is dying and, and he's linked with E.T. Saved, and you're like, save me, you prick. I'm not as ill as that. <laughs> if you don't want to think it, you don't want to feel worse than you feel. So you're not going to stick on Schindler's List. No. You're not going to put on a tearjerker. You're going to put on something you're familiar with. And most importantly that you can sleep through and when you wake up and you're in a completely different part, you know what's going on. So what I'm saying is no new movies. You can't watch a new movie when you're up. It's got to be. It's got to be comfort food. It has got to be comfort. And I'm not happy about this. And this does go into some things that I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been watching the J-Lo film Marry Me quite a lot recently. I blame the illness. I'm starting to learn the words to the songs that she sings. My relationship with Esther is in trouble. <laughs> my, so, my relationship with Esther is in trouble. My relationship with J-Lo is never, high. never yeah. been stronger. <laughs> so I, I genuinely think, you know, it's got to be that type of film. So I asked our fans, what do you think? What's your go-to movie when you're feeling a bit sick? You stick on the TV, you stick the tissues up your nose, you've got your Lemsip, mm. you've got biscuits. you got to have biscuits. First one came in. From Lana. She said Tango. I think that's a great choice. Good call. Good call. Good call. Nice action nice comic Don't really have to think. It's hitting quite a lot of the spots. I like it. I don't know it well enough to be my sick film, but if you like it, it's a great go-to film. Laura now come up with three brilliant ones, and I think they're all contenders. Birdcage. Good one. Chocolat. Nice. And Spirited Away. She also put in House Moving Castle, but Spirited Away to me... That's not a choice because Spirited Away is a scary film that would tug on your eyes. I know if if I was in an ill state, I don't think I'd survive Spirited Away. I fucking love that film. I love it, but after you know, I'm always a big fan of you know the monster that eats everything. Like mm. genuinely, that terrifies me because that's me. I'm more. I I, yeah, I think the House Moving Castle, the the mo- when when the when the ladies climbing the stairs and getting breathless, I, I think that would finish me off. <laughs> Yeah, particularly just, if I've got a cough, I'll be like, oh, go, go up the stairs. Yeah. Look, um, killing us off with that choice, but chocolate is chocolate, I mean, is the charming, definition. And that is the filming film. film. Um, Paul Chafe here has gone with what something that I think you're going to tickle you. Chef. I love that film That's as well. That's a great it's choice. It's a tasty film, that. Nice. Um, uh, Endine, which was here, he was on one of our first podcasts when we talked about the Star Wars trilogy. He's surprisingly gone with the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, and I agree. I, I agree with Chibs. I think... I think the uh, this, the original Star Wars trilogy is, is is one of my go-tos, most definitely. But then again, that's my most go-to when I come home from like town. Absolutely, you've just had a McDonald's. Love that. <laughs> like, it's what, what I watch at the weekend. But it's Thursday night. <laughs> I might just watch that. Times I've started No Hope. Like <laughs> I've come in battered, like like obliterated, drunk, and like what am I doing? Like, am I going to watch the all three? I'm like, oh, okay. start new oak. Now seems like the time to start all three. It's two in the morning. Why not? It's four in the morning. Like... Um, Paul Reed went with Dazed and Confused. Got to admit, not seen it. Dazed and Confused. Yeah, dazed yeah. Confused. I, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I like that film. Now I'm going to say that I think Anthony Marshall understood his assignment here because he picked something that I used to pick and Marshall's got it. He knows, he's a big fan of the podcast and he knows. Gone with Luke's Aid, Tomato Soup, brilliant films. But, <laughs> Cry Kid. Yeah. That's your choice. That's, that's a, cracker. That's a feel-good movie. That's good. Now... Literally feel-good movie. Genuinely didn't think it could get any better. Damien King, the never-ending story. I gave this guy a winner. That I was is, like, that, that that's the winner. That is isn't it? Yeah. That is the ill film. Ben Simmons then raised his bar, Harry Potter's, Lord of the Rings, and then How to Train Your Dragon. I'm just going to say this now. If I was feeling a bit ill and I watched Harry Potter, 
and you watch one of the most evil characters in all creation fail to kill a baby or, or a seven-year-old child, mm. that might actually make me feel better. I'm for that. I can touch you now. <laughs> Still haven't done anything with it. No. <laughs> Seven films later. Still nothing. I, uh, I, I, do you know what? That's a good call. I think, I think although Star Wars has been for me, I think next if I do get ill in December, I, I might watch the Harry Potters. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Lord of the Rings as well, I think it's a cracker. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you now, though, if you're an aficionado like me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, not a slut, a snob, that's the word, I'm a snob. Extended editions are nothing. Mm. I'm just like, I'm sorry, that's how I was raised. That's how, that's how Mama Wu raised me. Um, again, Dave Donaldson, big fan of the, the fan of the show. He's agreed, he said Lord of the Rings as well. And I, I do think Lord of the Rings is good, but mate, I've got the trilogy for you. You just wait. Amber Rickle, singing in the rain. Nice. Topical as well. Then she went, you've got mail, which I saw for the first time this week. You've never seen you've you've got mail. Never seen you've got mail. And we do a movie podcast and we talk about Tom Hanks and we talk about McRyan quite frequently. Mate, you know the circle? You know the circle? It's Mm. not even fully complete yet. It's about to be complete because Remy Green, who we kind of took time off for the podcast to go to his wedding. Congratulations, Remy. He went seven. And congratulations, Amber Rickle. She got married this weekend. Did she? Well, there you go. The podcast that has nothing to do with him, but will now take credit for bringing these people <laughs> together. Uh, and then he went, I'm saying, he went Serendipity, a film I watched two days before posting this with us. Has she never seen Serendipity? I like that film. I love that film. That's uh, a Remy film. That is a Remy film. It is a Remy film. Mm. Do you know what? That's nothing wrong with that. Scott Bowman, Star Wars episodes four, five, and six. There he is. On VHS. Yeah. He gets it. He understands. While my mum gets me a Lemsip. And then Holly J. Bird, recently married to Remy Green. Did you know that? Mm. Um, the B movie, which is a weird film. I watched that this week. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a two-year-old, so that's why I watched it. Uh, I'm fairly certain he gets cuckolded. The man the man gets cuckolded <laughs> by B. Like, he watches his relationship get taken by B. Who then, I'm fairly certain, sues the human race, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Uh, or Wizard of Oz. And I think Wizard of Oz was also on my ill list. Mm. So we've established now that for a good ill movie, you need nostalgia. You need storyline enough to keep you engaged, but that you can slip in and out of a storyline that we know well. I, you need a bit of whimsy, I think. Mate, you're, you're, you're on board, mate. You're on James's training. You didn't even know it. You need whimsy. You need something that tickles you. Where the illness is, is repressing you, you need something that tickles you, sparkles your imagination. We'll take you back to 94. And maybe next time you're ill, you should try the original three Jurassic Park movies yeah. as the ultimate get you better film. I'm talking about a fascinating score that will uplift you. Magical, the magic of dinosaurs, mate. And most importantly, Sam Neill in a hat. And I'm going to say it because I say it every week, it's 1993. Every year. <laughs> Every time. You're right. Anyway, anyway, eat a brick. It's Jurassic Park. It is Jurassic Park. Jurassic, I love Jurassic Park. He's a brilliant, yeah, all I, three of them as well. I can't wait till the sec- I can't wait until the second week of December it, when I'm ill and I'm going to crack on with Jurassic Park. Here's the thing with Jurassic Park that's, that makes it such a such a weird thing. And this, the, I think this completely makes sense. No one ever, ever goes, I'm going to watch Jurassic Park 2. If you watch all three of them, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're, you're watching not, it in, you're never in, in the mood this, for The Lost World. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to watch that one. <laughs> I'm going to watch that one with Vince Vaughn in it. I'm going to watch that one. Never forget Vince Vaughn's in that movie. We're in the last 10 minutes. We're going to go to a city. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? The, the third act's already started. No, no, no. No, 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 no. There's only eight minutes of this film left. Yep. <laughs> do you like how the second one starts? But anyway, yeah, but no one ever goes into it going like, yeah, I'm going to watch the second Jurassic Park movie. If you're watching all three, it, it's because it, I quite like the third one. I've always yeah. got I've got a soft spot for H Macy. I think I think the third one, the third one. I, I mean, Christ, they wrote that storyline on the back of a fag packet. I'm gonna be honest. The third one does have my the best moment 
in a Jurassic Park movie. It's not when you first see the dinosaur. It's not when you're running from dinosaurs. It's when the Velociraptor says, Alan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the best Alan. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> that would cheer me up. I could be dying. And Hold someone on. would play that. I'd be like, Alan. <laughs> second, Pete Potter wife. Never forget second Pete Potter. Is the second one on the second island as well? Yeah. I fucking, they fucking love that. Like, what about the original trilogy? They couldn't give a toss about the original island. They're like, we wrote ourselves in a hole. Fuck it off. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it, I love it where it's like John Hammond at the beginning is like, yeah, there's another island. Where? Well, if you just looked, if you just turned your head, you know, when you a couple of degrees, <laughs> you would have seen it. You, you know, you know when you're on the, you know you're on the uh, helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was that bloke who was like, no, no, not this window. <laughs> it was behind him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> silly, isn't it? Yeah, but it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think um, last time I was ill, last October, <laughs> I watched. Uh, I think I watched four seasons of Line of Duty. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I did that. Was I that remember. the first time? Yeah. Oh, and, mate, and then the time that. before that that I got ill, I watched Hawkeye. So that would have been closer to, to December. There you go. So I binged all of Hawkeye. <laughs> and you wondered what made you ill. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I quite enjoyed it. Because, I like Hawkeye. Because, and I think I think there's something really euphoric about watching something when you're ill. That's, because as you start to feel better, you start to associate, for some reason, the program's <laughs> making you feel better. So, so like, Hawkeye's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is is weird. I think there's something magical about being ill when you're a kid because you get to stay mm. home and watch films. When you're an adult, it's like fuck you. You still have to work. It's, it's like you don't get to watch movies. Yeah. As soon as I finish for work, duvet or duvet, duvet, hot chocolate or tea, and then and then just basically pathetic. It's like Esther, I've stored all my energy being good today. Now now look after me. Rub my belly and put on marry me for the fifth time. I need no, my J Lo fix. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you now. I fucking love Mary. I, I I don't know what it's a crap film. There's mm. there's very little redeeming qualities about it, but please go support this movie. <laughs> um is it the one with Aaron Wilson? Yep. Oh, we she, hold- right, she, she do you know what I love about right fucking we're starting with Mary, right? Marry me, J Lo. <laughs> Where do we start with this waste of a life? <laughs> Mate, you might have first have been ill. But I'd like to point out I did bring this film up last year and you refused to talk about it. I said, Do you want me to talk about it? You said no, and then we ended the episode. <laughs> Marry me is the story of J-Lo, right? Literally J-Lo. She, she's incredibly powerful. She lives her life in front of the media, you know, streams and, and TikToks and all that other stuff that I don't understand. She's going to get married live on TV. Oh. But on her way up to the stage after singing a great song about church, I know mm. this because the lyrics are church. Okay. Church. Mm. Church. Nice. It's about church. Anyway. Simple. She realises, her hit song, By The Way, Marry Me, is what her and her partner duet together. So Marry Me is the biggest song in the world at the time. Okay. It's important to know this. It's like Rebecca Black's Friday. It is like, mate, only a joke that three people in the world will get, but I love you for it, because <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> and uh, she finds out that, that he's been cheating on her with her assistant, but she's just gone up on the stage. She looks like a mug. And he's like, oh no, what am I going to do? The manager, played by Samuel Tarley, I don't know his real name. Mm. You don't need to. No There'll forever it. be Samuel Tully from the hit show Game of Thrones. He's like, I don't know what's oh, going to happen. Cheers. Uh, uh, um, um, he's in uh, Moonfall. Moonfall. Yeah. There you go. Where he plays the guy that used to be in Game of Thrones. Samuel Tully. She's like, right, I'm going to live my life how I want to live it. And she sees in the sign Owen Wilson, who's a single father who hasn't really been, he's trying to prove to his young daughter that he's actually cool and by taking her to this massive concert that's sold out and everything. And she asked him to hold the sign quickly. It says, marry me. You know, I'm based on the hit song that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, I should point out that there are other people as well in the uh, cinema, that uh, in, the, in, the, in the crowd that have marry me signs. But she sees him. She sees Owen Wilson with a sign that says, marry me. And she thinks, okay, then I will marry you. Thinking that it's a genuine question and not 
a sign for her, her very own hit show. Basically, they get married live on stage and then they decide to get to know each other. And guess what? They fall in love. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Yeah, marry me. It's, it is what it says on the tin. It's bad for you, but I love it. It is like a lethal dose of sugar. If you know you shouldn't, but you want it. Um, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, you shouldn't. But, um, <laughs> and don't worry, just, I will continue to watch it enough for both of us. It's just, just mainly because time is short nowadays with a kid, so I have to be it's, very selective. I'd like to point out, it's nearly two hours long, and there's very little story in it. But I do quite like it. I feel a J-Lo episode coming along. Oh, that would be nice. I could talk about Mary. And I could make you watch Mary. Well, yeah, yeah. well get Esther in because she hates the film. And I, I've done, for some reason, I've decided to test the boundaries of my love for Esther <laughs> based on the last few days. So there you go. We could do it like marriage counselling between the two there of you. There you could, based on the film Mary. Mary, 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 Mary right. yeah. I'd like to point out, though, Halloween is a coming. Mm. And I have tried to introduce her to horror films because, you know, it's tis the season. Tis the season to be scared shitless. What have you been watching? So I tried her out on the original Scream. Uh, the, yeah, the 96, yeah. Yeah. Good. I also tried her with Cube, the Canadian independent film, which uh-huh. I adore and is absolutely amazing. And Identity. Oh, I like that film. I didn't know it was directed by your man who did Logan. It's a Mangold film, yeah. It's a Mangold film. James I didn't yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, Well, uh, it's obviously, it's also based on, an, it's an Agatha Christie Spin, oh, is isn't it? it? It's, yeah. yeah, it's Agatha Christie movie. Don't care about that. Modern day telling in a motel with John Cusack. Well, there you go. So, so, <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll start off with her favourite. Mm. She adored Identity. She thought it was great. And uh, some of the stuff that she was saying, which I know you're a big fan of and I'm a big fan of, is, is because you've got 11 characters you have to care about. You've got 10 stuck in a motel and you've got a seemingly unrelated character on trial for the life. What do they all have in common? Six people, uh, 10 people are trapped in a motel. You know, it's watery. They can't get out. Everyone's got a secret. And you never think about it until Esther pointed out is there's 11 characters that you have to care about because yeah. you have to care about the next hour and a half. And it does such a good job with editing why you should give a toss. Like mm. everyone doesn't, not everyone gets the same amount of screen time, but everyone gets enough maximised time so that you go, right, that's, that's uh, Amanda Peel. She's a stripper or a prostitute. You know, she's got the money. What's she go? Oh, here's Ray Lota. He's a cop. Or here is mm. John Cusack. I've got a question for you. Whatever happened to John Cusack? Because I love me some Cusack. A couple of things with this. Is it, is it Amanda Peel? Is it Amanda Pete? Oh, he's Amanda Peel. What did I say? Amanda Peel. Amanda Peel. Oh, he's Amanda Peel. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other day because obviously Whole Nine Yards was a huge movie, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what happened to her? And and no, she yeah. did Twenty Twelve, mate, with John Cusack. Oh, there you go. And then, 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 so that answers two questions. <laughs> <laughs> now I think Cusack started to out a lot of Hollywood's paedophiles and stuff, and he got a bit blacklisted. Now, ah. now that that that's off media on, online, so I'm, yeah. not, I'm not maybe not one hundred percent correct, but I think he was very kind of vocal about some of the behaviours before. It was like one of the original ah. whistleblowers, which is very similar to obviously what you were saying the other week about what happened to Heidi Klum. And was like, where, where did she go? No, it, Catherine Hegel. That's who we it was. It Catherine Hegel. Yeah. Was, we also say about um, the lady whose name we can never remember. Well, that's <laughs> not going to open it. That's the person we can never remember. I was kind of hoping that. Oh, yeah. I was kind of hoping that if I would speak, my brain would catch up and go, "This is who you're talking about." And I tell you what, it has helped. No, it hasn't. <laughs> Um, the, Jesus Christ! We record this and show this to the world. The uh, <laughs> when, I, when I when I met John C. McGinley, who played Dr. Cox and is in Identity, he um, I, I said to him, I said, "Oh, I watched Identity the other day," and he he put it in. He went, "Great movie, great movie, great like like Donald Trump, great movie." <laughs> Did you tell him? It was what? <laughs> I was like, "Well, it's not, it's, you know, one it's that good." Did it win an Oscar? <laughs> did it? No, it didn't. Did it? <laughs> I didn't mind it. I like Identity. So I, I watch it every now and again when it's on. I, so she was a big fan of Identity. She yeah. loved it. Now, Esther's not a gory person. So I was a bit hesitant about The Cube because obviously The Cube, 
The Cube is a fascinating. If you haven't seen The Cube, I believe it's on Amazon right now. That's where we watched it. It is seven strangers locked in a cube. But basically, yep. there are several. There's several rooms. They look exactly the same. They've got different lights. Some rooms are trapped. Sometimes they aren't. Basically, why have they been put there? Maybe you don't even find out. Maybe you do. Why are they there? What connection do they have? You never find out anything. It's basically a sphere. It's a self-contained film and a self-contained trap. It's phenomenal film taking at its simplest. There are directors out there that would take a very complex story and make it beautifully. You know, mm. we love the scenes. I'll always go to Interstellar is one of the most complex stories because it's really, it's, it makes time travel the nearer you go to a black hole. It does a really good job of storytelling using actual physics. Whereas this one's very simple. It bores everything away. It says, you don't need to know this. You don't need to know that. Who they were outside the cube, you can find out whilst they're in the cube. We've given very little information about these people. Basically, for an hour and a half, you see what you see who they are. Their mm. basic instinct in survival. It's a phenomenal film with some great traps. The CGI is a bit dated, but it's in the 90s. It's not even a 2000 film. I believe it's 98 or 99. Really holds up. It's still killer. It's still brilliant. Really strong. She adores that. She's the right level of gore. The gore is a bit off-putting, but it's the nuance, the storytelling, the acting. Again, the director has picked actors you're not familiar with. Therefore, you're not watching it going, well, they'll survive because it's Samuel L. Jackson, you know, or, you know, someone else. Someone people, else Pete Pothers way. <laughs> you know, they won't survive. You pick actors you don't know. Save your product, save money so you can put it on production. It's a great storyline. Absolutely adored it. Scream. Scream is always going to be the one that's better because it's, it plays on its devilishness. Mm. It's taunting. We talked about Scream last year. We were massive fans of the franchise. The reason I picked Scream was because a few weeks ago you talked about Scream 6. Yeah. Which it turns out I haven't seen. I guessed from the trailers. Uh, Scream or, 7. Was it Scream 7? 6. I thought it was 6. Oh, Christ, I don't know. The there's the original one. 3. Yeah. Then there's that one. Then there's the fifth one where Dewey dies, which I think is really good, and it's something about sequel reboots. Scream is a very looky-in film. It, it basically... It knows what it's about. It tells jokes. Scream 4, I believe, is the one that opens with the multiple killings, like from different people from different stab film franchises. It's very self-aware, especially with the stab franchise running alongside. The motives in Scream 5 about are that... toxic fandom. That toxic that fandom, which is really good. And then the sixth one, which came out, which I was a fan of, except for, you made two points. The killers are pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to be that guy, but she's not a very good actor. No. I, it, I, text, I text you, even in my ill state, I text you and went, makes you think you could still make it in Hollywood. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a great performance. We're not here. We're not here to slag off. It's actually very, and I still think Scream is a very profitable and good franchise. Yeah, I, um, it, we did Scream, as James said, a couple of weeks back. Do listen back to that episode. Uh, we did a Scream deep dive into the original 96 movie, and then we talked about sequels. And then a couple of episodes back, I gave a big in-depth review of Scream 6 when it was released on Sky. So Esther really liked it. She she liked. She didn't realise that she was actually supposed to be guessing who the killer was. She thought it was like a supernatural thing. So that's really cool as well. That was different about Scream. But it did make me want to watch Scream 2 in my old state. And I'm going to tell you now, I quite liked it. It holds up as a sequel. But in the beginning, Jada Picknett Smith orders a medium popcorn and a small diet Pepsi. And that fucking Pepsi's massive. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> also, just the first scene. I'm not going to go into any depth of that. The killer kills uh, Omar Apes in a bathroom. Yeah. Because there's two people at a cubicle. Mm. If no one was pissing, that person would still be alive. How much planning ahead could you do? Where you were just like, I was lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, that's it. I'm, I'm still really, I was like, how much did she pay for that? Also, no, there's another point that really peed me off. They go into the cinema. They're already late. They're pissing me off. 
But you know, it's not the end of the world. They miss the they miss the, the you know the trailers. They miss it. They come in straight as the movie starts. They sit down. She goes, "I want your money to go buy popcorn." And then she comes back and he goes for a piss. I'm not being funny, but do that before you sit in a cinema. And also, she goes out to buy popcorn, and this is where she buys the medium popcorn and the giant small Diet Pepsi, which I will not let go. Mm. And the person in front of her says, I'm not going back in that cinema. That's where they, this story is based on, you know, like, true events. I don't think we should be supporting that. And then she buys popcorn. Where's she going? She's going back in the screen to watch that film, and she just said she's not going to watch. Maybe anyway, she popcorn for the road. <laughs> may, may, do you know what? I didn't think of it, maybe. <laughs> anyway, yeah, <coughs> she thought Scream was all right, but for her money, identity, that sort of level of horror was just right for my Esther. Yeah, identity, I think I think that's based on Agatha Christie's and then there were none, uh, which is a good one. And then um, I, I like Scream. I'm not, I'm not rushing back to watch Scream 2. No, uh, for don't, me, don't it, was, make... it was the reveal of Billy Loomis's mum at the end, spoilers, but like the wide-eyed, like, oh, it was me. It's like <laughs> it was, a bit Scooby-Doo at the end there. <laughs> like when Vince McMahon's like, it's me, Austin, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I'm glad that you've caught up and you can finally say that you have seen Scream 6. I actually officially. quite like where the franchise has gone, like the whole new trilogy. When you talk to me about it being a sequel to the second one, it, it does. it's quite nice. And I did rewatch Scream 5, the one before it, because it's the one I don't remember seeing. And I've got to say, they did the really good, you know, the requel thing. You bring back legacy characters to tell a new story. What they did with David Arquette's character was actually brilliant. He comes back to help them, ends up being murdered, spoilers, which brings the other characters back. I really didn't. I thought they did, they did such a good job of, of treating the characters with respect mm. in a slash film. I really liked it. And I, I thought, well, Screen 5, I quite liked the new characters they introduced. And yeah, that's uh, very rare for a franchise in the fifth film to introduce. Fast and Furious, mate, couldn't give a toss who they introduced. Yeah, at the risk of repeating, I, I, I didn't mind the two new ones, but the latest new one, six, really lets it down in the last yeah. act. And there's a huge whopping bullshit bit at the end where you're like, no, that's just, that's, that, that's just poor writing. It but is, I mean, yeah. up until that, it was quite enjoyable to watch. Um, I watched very quickly because I, I caught the time, and we still haven't got onto our main topic, which, which we haven't is, even told uh, anyone about. Yeah. Oh yeah, today's episode is on um, is on Steen, uh, scene stealers. Scene stealers. Talk about that in a moment. I did see Saw Ten, the new Saw movie. Why? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> did you, why? Yeah. You, I, you I, said I, earlier you haven't watched Miami because you got limited time. Did you even see Saw Seven? It's all right. Uh, all like- I, I think so. I, maybe <laughs> I saw done. I saw Book of Spiral. I, I saw that thing. Go on, that's not not related to the Saw franchise. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's not for me to decide how you do your time. I watched Miami at least three times this week. You carry on. <laughs> no, I'm just, just going to say Saw 10. If, if you like Saw movies, it, it's it's definitely up there with one, two, and three. I've heard versus... it's, I've heard it's, it's returned to form, which I was like, couldn't be that hard. Um, yeah, it, I don't think it is. It's still, <laughs> it's, it's like the first one was like a nasty B movie, like low budget, one made for one million, made like 140 million. Yeah. Became the business started. model of horror films, didn't it? it yeah. It started, it was the even though it wasn't a Blue Mouse movie, it kind of, it was the blueprint for Blue Mouse to be like, hey, all right, we'll start doing that shit. James Wan obviously did this with the original Spawn sequels, naturally. It's a billion dollar franchise. They will keep make, making these movies. And now that there's bloodlust and gore porn, they're going to keep doing these films yeah. as well, pushing badges. This one, in elements, is gory. I mean, because it's a Saw movie. In other areas, it's not. There's a weird bit as well. And I'm not an expert in the Saw movies. They all, after the third one, they're all the same. I yeah. do. I cannot. I cannot differentiate a hmm. lot of them. But there is a bit where um, where uh, Tone Bell's character is uh, like wh- he like has a vision of doing a trap to someone early on, mm-hmm. and and then like you know, and then the person doesn't survive the trap. It's a it's an eye sucking trap where someone's eyeballs get pulled out. Yep. And, then, and then, then he kind of like shakes himself out of it, and then the person he was looking at when he had that like. 
And I was like, is he like fantasizing? Like, has he got, like, is this, is this game off? Like, kind of thing. And then I thought, would it be fucking weird if the whole film was him just like, he was just at a bus stop looking at someone and he just went to some really nasty like scene and then he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking weird. £1.45 for a return. Yeah. <laughs> you want to play a game? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, oh, yeah, he goes to Mexico, gets, gets, gets told, <laughs> gets, mate, next one, space. They do, I'm there. I'm there premier night, front row, with a fucking giant Jada Pink Smith <laughs> Pepsi. I'm doing it. Um, no, he goes to Mexico, gets told he's going to get this cure. He's been, he's been hoodwinked, mate. He's been taken for a fall. Uh, then he takes it out on everyone involved in it including the taxi driver that picks him up from the airport because he's clever but not clever enough to realise and he's one of the movies where it's like you know there's a moment in it where the villains have the upper hands but have they no they played into his hand all along this is exactly what he wanted and this person isn't who you thought it was going to be and actually they're this person and it's not none of it was like oh my god eureka moment um, some yeah, some of the some of the gory bits are gory. Like it is a hard eighteen. Yeah, and there is one scene that's quite gross out. Like just phys- like I don't think you could eat drawing. Oh it right, like oh. a shitload of fake blood. But yeah, it was, it was yeah, it's it, right. it was closer to ninety minutes than two hours. So I was I was I was quite happy to finish it. And what I like about is the films I've been choosing lately are like the ninety minute mark. Hey, honestly, when I go on Netflix now, it doesn't even go like recommended. It just takes me straight to the nine minutes. It's section. like nine minutes. It's like fucking one o'clock hour. Let's go. I know, I know what you want. Um, very quickly, Continental started. Yep. Uh, odd, odd movie, uh, odd, odd TV show. Not, I, not one hundred percent into it. I'm not interested. That's my problem. I don't know what it is. Do you know what? I'm going to say something that's controversial. And it's going to come out. Not the biggest John Wick fan. As in, I like the first <laughs> film, but I'm not that interested in the world. See, I watched, I watched uh, John Wick four this week as mm. well. Because that's now on Sky. And I love John Wick 1. I thought John Wick was awesome. John Wick 2 and 3 to me are fun as well as you explore the kind of the world of, of John yeah. Wick and the, and the hotel and the concierge and the manager and, you know, Ian McShane just having the time of his life. And, you know, the 2 and 3 are great. The fourth and then the third one, Halle Berry comes out of it. He's got two dogs. Awesome. Like, you know, really good. This fourth one, it's like nearly three hours long. Jesus. And it's a bit boring. Is this and, what, and, they've introduced Alex Starsgard, haven't they? Yeah, as, as like yeah. the Marquis de Sade. I mean, thank God someone told me that, it, like, someone goes, oh, the, the French guy's after you. I was like, oh, French. That's what he was going for. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, to be fair, actually, when, yeah. I mean, Starsgard is good. He's good on that. Um, it's just a shame that everyone just wants the same thing from the, him, doesn't they? Yeah. The, he's never going to be in a rom-com. <laughs> he's just going to play that character forever Lawrence now. Fishburne's really bad in the fourth one. Uh, it's really bad in the fourth one. Ian McShane as well. He's you know, and he's he's getting on now. And and, he, and I, what I found with the full form was is that there's a lot more like judo flipping and rolls and stuff. And Keanu is over fifty, so they're not as fluent, you know, as as they were. Yeah. And there's a I can't help but watch also background actors. And when it's like seven on one scenes, mate, I love that. I when they just stand like, there, yeah, they're, or they're like flailing. Like, oh my god, my legs are jelly. And then and it's like the power of the punch has <laughs> unnerved me. He's odd. I was just watching all the background people were like. Uh, you know, because they're just waiting to be punched or shot, and and um, and it was all right. I mean, but everyone in the in this one as well, and I can't remember this in the third one. And a lot's <laughs> happened since then. I've been ill, James, but they've all got like body armor suits now as well. Yeah, yeah. I, mate, I don't know fucking whatever you're on. I, they they so they're all right. So they all blend into one to me. I'm like, I know that his dog gets shot. 
And it's, and it's the only thing that connected him to his wife. And then, explosions. <laughs> the first one is badass. I do like the first the one. The first one when they're like, oh shit, no, you, you should not fucked up the wrong fucking house. They take, like, they take the car to somewhere, don't they? And it's like, the Hispanic actor goes basically, holy fuck. It was like, yeah. whose car, where did you get this car? And it's like, oh, I took it from this bloke. And it was like, oh no. And he's like, oh, you also killed his dog. It's like, all right, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'll see it, you it, later. Right, we're all dead. And then it cuts the scene of him like, Coming out of retirement and, and hacking he's got the floor. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's cool. Like, the first one's badass, and it ends with him bloody beaten and, and everything. And he gets the car back, and you realise it's because it had the note of his wife in it, and that's oh, right, what, it yeah. wasn't the car; it was what was in the car that he was after. And that first movie, I was like Keanu Reeves, take a fucking bow. That is bad, and it did change the rule book for hmm. action movies. Like Keanu Reeves and the whole team changed the the um, changed the blueprint for how you do an action. It's also a different way. It was a different way of making films because it was not a clinical director. It was not a classical director. It was someone, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that, and that's cool. And two and three, I thought were great. They were good romps. Like three, I think follows straight after two. I this is where they, three they got get to the point where it's like, oh, everyone's an assassin. Like when they put the call out for like John Wick's head, there's like someone who's like a homeless man's like who's got a shotgun. You're like, hold on, what, so what was he doing with that? And it's like it was fun and. Again, there were some really good long action sequences and John Wick 4 has some just spectacular long shot sequences. A stairwell scene, which is just one of the best things I've seen. And um, It's three hours and it's like, oh, here we go again. Cool. Yeah, yeah, 50 on one, let's go. And I think a lot of the supporting people, there's a bit as well, John, I didn't find Keanu Reeves like comebacks as well. You know, like someone says something like, John, you know, you know, you're going to your funeral and he'll turn around and go, maybe I am. And it just didn't have that like gravitas towards it. So I saw a trailer. Is is this one where he gets on horse and is in a desert? No, that's the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts that way. It starts in the. Oh, desert. Oh, it starts that way. All right. Yeah, and, and but again, even that bit is like that bit blue screeny. <laughs> like, but um, it's fun and it's good. But it's three hours and uh, Donnie Yen's in it, who's phenomenal. Oh, Donnie Yen is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, what a talent. Um, That'd be pretty cool. I would, I would. I assume it builds up to a big fight between them. Oh, quite like, a Donnie Man and obviously in, quite is, a few it, times is it IP Man? 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, quite a few times they run into each other, and um, yeah. So I mean, it is it is really actiony and and has these great drawn out sequences. But the three hour price tag and the some of the supporting actors in it, and um, there's uh, yeah, there's just a, there's a scene in Paris as well where they're in these cars, and I was a bit like it's just a bit over the top. And I liked it when you dipped your toe into the world. Yes. And it was like, oh, so what's this hotel then? And why they got them coins? And now you know. and it was enough <laughs> for you to be like, that's interesting. I, okay. And whereas now it's like, oh, you're excommunicado and you've got to go to the table. And then there's this document. And actually, if you go back to this family and it's like, oh, now, you, now, you're, now you're telling me it all. I'm not really that bothered. <laughs> if you're all double sixes, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love that. So John Wick thought it's good. But I did, I didn't think it was the the... the my least favourite out of the four. Yeah. But it was but good. good. It was good. And it's still a fantastic franchise. A phenomenal franchise, John Wicks. If we had a time machine, I'd go back 20 minutes and tell you Ashley Judd. <laughs> that just Fucking came to me. Ashley Judd. It just came to me randomly when you were talking about, of course, John Wick 4. <laughs> anyway, Steen Steelers. We know yes. who they are. You watch a film, you're there for the big budget, you're there for there. You're, but there's an actor who's quite possibly not the main character. Maybe it's a something, something. Tickles you, makes you laugh, makes you chuckle. You're involved. You're there. Some I of the like best. that you say comedy because I think comedy. the scene stealer ha- quite often has a comedic value to them, especially if you're not expecting it. Maybe it's on that. Or you don't know it's coming. Or maybe it comes from an actor you mm. didn't expect it. So 
you know, there's superhero sidekicks, you've got supporting actors, you've got the love interest, but the scene stealer is the best friend, it's the family member, it's the henchman, the head teacher, the quirky neighbor, the taxi driver, robot, android, or alien. It's comic relief. It's the cooler than cool character. It's the, I, I think, I've looking at my list, I think quite a few of them are comedic. It's breaks in the movie where you're like, that person's cool. Often in the same place. Yeah. Often sedentary outside of the environment, outside of the main storyline. But you leave that film going, oh, I want to spin off of that guy. Or I hope they appear in sequels and do stuff. You know, do you know my problem is? I feel like I wrote this list. So we were going to do this episode before we got ill and went to the NFL. <coughs> and this list, I'm looking at it now going, it's a shit list. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few, so we'll see what it is. And, and like I said, <clears> it's not... We're not here to answer the question. We're here to spark the conversation in listeners, you know, so that for them to think about it and like with your ill list, actually write in who, what films, what films have you seen were actually the, the, uh, the, the secondary characters that, you know, stolen the limelight, the bigger the film and the fewer, the least amount of screen time, the better. That's what I'm thinking. Cause I've gone here just for example, I'm going to take, I'm going to take them out, but I had Chloe Grace Mortez as hit girl and kick ass, but the first one, She's mm. actually a pretty big part in that film. Is she a scene stealer? She does steal the scenes that she's in, but ultimately she's in a big part of the film. So I you could say sporting actor. You in could that. say sporting actor. A lot of mine are actually sporting actors. I've I've ruined my list. <laughs> I I my so the, for me, Bernie Mac in anything. It's a good choice, Bernie Mac. He's Bernie Mac in anything, even Transformers. Is, mate. Yeah, exactly. Is a scene stealer. Is the moment he's on screen, you're like, oh fuck it, here we go. Bad Santa. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. isn't the main star? Isn't even the the supporting actor? But any time he's on screen, you're like, oh, Bernie Mac is so funny. Bernie Mac is you know, funny. And his characters are so brash and bold and loud. And, you know, so that that's the kind of part. And Michael Shannon, Bill Murray, you know, in anything where he's not the main star, obviously, Bill Murray is the scene stealer. Other than that man free, because everyone's got a death note. And, everyone and has and a death note. no one came out of that one shining. <laughs> oh, my God. If we were looking at Oscars, I thought this was interesting, because we always go to Anthony Hopkins, and a lot of people do, as, as the the Oscar winner for the least about screen time. Now, Anthony Hopkins in Sans Salams undoubtedly is a, and all these are obviously supporting acting roles. You know, he's the name title. He's the person that you're going to watch in that movie, even though we follow it through the shoot of Jodie Foster. He's in it for 16 minutes when he won his Oscar. And that's, but we also talk about Hathaway and Hathaway winning uh, Les Mis in 15 minutes. Alan Arkin, 14 minutes. In Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. Yep. Judy Dench, eight minutes in Shakespeare in Love. That's pathetic, that one, though. And Beatrice Strait, who uh, has, has the record for networking in 1976, won her best sport out Oscar in five minutes and 40 seconds. That's all she needed. That's <laughs> all she needed. You're like, do you want six minutes? Fuck it, no. <laughs> what do you want me to do with the other 20 minutes? Go suck an egg. <laughs> Go suck an egg, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, what we're looking for is we're looking for not the main star, not the supporting actor, the secondary characters, the scene stealers. I'm going to start us off with one that I think Please start us is off. very, very um, modern because we talked about this movie. Not necessarily the third installment, but definitely installments one and two. I'm going Groot and Rocket in the Guardians of the Galaxy because Quill is obviously our front man. Gamora yeah. and Nebula are, are the secondary. Even Drax, I would say, is the is the supporting actor in that scenario. Um, but for and Mantis, obviously... Groot and Rocket are your steam sealers, particularly in that first movie, and particularly when he became Baby Groot as well. I think. Baby, what's your favorite group? My mine's Baby Groot. Uh, that's I my like favorite my Groot baby. I, I like my Baby Groot. <sighs> Mate, you might say he's a top <laughs> actor. You might say he's one of the biggest actors in the world. However, 
in smaller doses, he's probably better. I'm talking about this is the end. I'm talking about the recent film Bullet Train. I'm talking when Channing Tatum obviously wants a paycheck and doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> yes. So Channing Tatum pretending to be a sex slave in This Is The End, or when he shows up randomly, like Brad Pitt asks him a question, he's like, do, do you want to have sex? <laughs> and I like my Channing Tatum in small doses, and I like him good. Tatum's a good call, actually. I love Channing Tatum. a good call, And yeah. I, like, I like an actor that's not afraid to take the piss, and you'll see that a lot on this list. Because <laughs> Bullet Train, you could say, is a cameo, but actually... He's a cameo, but he's but, very good. I could see if there's Bullet Train 2... Yes. Um, ...he would be on the train. Yes. You'd want him on the train. You'd want like, him. Like, oh, didn't we bump into... He'd be coming out the toilet when Brad Pitt's going in. He's like, you again. Ooh. Their eyes cross. <laughs> you know. Um, I've, my first couple of Marvel, because I kept it there to that's begin fine. with... Obviously, the first Black Panther movie, Shuri, is the character that you want to yes. spend time with. Which you do. Yeah, <laughs> you do, which is why I emphasize the first one. I mean, Shuri in that first film, as cool as that first film was, and the characters in the introduction of Black Panther, Shuri was, you know, was the the Bond, <laughs> the, the Bond psychic that you really <laughs> wanted. And we had Ben Wishaw at the time. Exactly. And that's saying something. The teacher right after it was awesome as Shuri. Oh, mate, I'm going to go with the younger actor. You're not going to know. If I said Jonathan Lipnicker, you'd be like, who's that? And then if I told you he played the character of Roy Boyd, you'd be like, I don't know what you're on about. Or if I said the kid with glasses, <laughs> sorry, I had to do it, from Jerry Maguire. That's right. That's still, that's he's stealing, son of a bitch. That kid's amazing. That kid outacts Tom Cruise, which isn't that difficult, but he's brilliant. Every scene he's in, you're like, this kid is awesome. Tom Cruise tells him an amazing fact about an NFL player. He says, did you know my neighbour's got three rabbits? Boom! How acted, bitch! <laughs> Fuck off! We're all about... Let me check his name. <laughs> Jonathan Lipnicki. Spin-off. I need to see it. I, I want to see, see it. I want to see what happened to the kid from Jeremy Maguire. Give him to me. The new. I'm going to stick on four for a movie. Yeah. Um, you know, in Ragnarok, it's obviously Korg. Korg in, in Ragnarok. Mate, I was, was, Korg's a fucking weird. I'd, yeah. If you wanted to go one better, I'd go the thing that doesn't speak next to him. Like He's like, is he dead? Oh, no, he's fine. <laughs> Mike, or is it uh, uh, Something like yeah. that, yeah. Um, but Tooth Grinder and Tooth Nasher from the latest uh, story, yeah. The Two Goats. Good shout. Um, I think all of those are CCs. I laughed intensely whenever they came on. Korg, obviously, played by Taco Atiti himself, were Steen Sealers. Again, not sporting actors. They wouldn't be up for sporting roles, but they are Steen Sealers. <laughs> I'm just telling you now that mate, sometimes you know when you do a list you're quite proud of yourself. Michael Keaton, he disappeared for a while. What happened to Michael Keaton? We were saying as an audience, where was he? We wanted to know. But when he pulled in a near Oscar performance as Captain Gene in The Other Guys, we were transported, mate. We mm. wanted to know more about Captain Gene. Why was he captain by day and working in Bed Bath & Beyond by night? We <laughs> wanted more of Michael Keaton in this role. That's actually genius. I love that. I love how he keeps throwing out TLC quotes. And that's what I'm going to say. You wanted to know why he was doing Surely you must hear it. Why don't, was he showing? Well, I don't know what you're on about. Don't I don't want those scrubs. It doesn't even make any sense. I was that was that was a character that was designed to make you question. Remember as well in Toy Story Three, he voiced Ken. He, no, he didn't. He walked so Ryan Gosling could run. <laughs> Mate, have you seen Barbie? No, no, yeah. Are you? We were gonna, but, you've, we... but you've seen Toy Ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen another film that I'm going to save for next week, and then you're really going to ask why. Um, yeah, Michael Keaton is awesome, isn't he? I, th I mean, there's, there's, there's like. I imagine there's a lot of uh, voice actors that you could say like Edward Norton in, in like Sausage Party or whatever. <laughs> like there's loads of like cameo voice actors where you think I could do with a spin-off of him. But my last Marvel one for now was um, Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery in uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Oh, that one. That's for, uh, that's acceptable. Because yeah, I laughed a lot of it. Because do you know what made it? Because I was like, why is this character back? 
I mean, this character has no need to be in this movie. Glad he was, though. Glad he was there for the ride, James. Yeah. He was very, very funny in that film. That's good. That's nice. Um, you uh, We talk about big roles. Now, he's not a title character, but I find that he dwarfs the title character. He makes the title character seem like a bit of a knob. I was always on his side. I always wanted Dana Carvey's performance of Garth Algar in Wayne's World. Yeah. He's who I was. He was the proper nerd. He was the one that didn't belong. It's Garth's world, but he didn't know it. Mm. There you go. In fact, it's like a slogan. You should run for president. Out of the armist in No Time to Die. You slag. I've got that. There yeah. you go. To play in the Paloma. Reason being is that it was a bongo of a difference. She was James Bond's equal. And I really like that. You Next know, week, I've got like the opposite of Anna de Armas. <laughs> <laughs> but Anna de Armas, I think, in, in No Time to Die, I think everyone watched that was like, well, what's that story? I what's wanted the, more. Yeah, what's yeah. going on there? You know, that I think that's a great gateway for a spin-off show, TV film, whatever it is. There was all the talk of was it being replaced, of was Bond being replaced by a woman and all those like right-wing knobheads were talking about this. But Anna de Armas is a new character, interesting. I want it to spin off. She's on my list. Anna de Armas. You've pulled out a, You've pulled out a cracker there, so I'm going to have to raise my game with X-Men Days of Future Past, Quicksilver I've by Evan Peters. Yeah, the yeah, the game changer. And one of the dumbest decisions in comic book history, you can go now. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, yeah. We don't, need, obvious, you the, we don't obvious, need you for the final fight. That skill's not going to be helpful. <laughs> not necessary, mate. Move on. Yeah. There you go. Um, Bradley Whitford in Godzilla. Because he knew what he signed up for. He was having the time of his life. Carl Chandler wasn't doing anything. Is that it? Was Carl Chandler? It was Carl. Mate, you, you, not anything you've said is wrong there. All right, then I see you're Bradley Whitworth, and I'll raise you Bradley Whitworth and Richard Jenkins. In, uh, Cabin in, in the Woods. I was going to do woods. Cabin in the Woods. I was. And, and I was writing it down. <laughs> And I changed it the last minute to like, no, because can you remember in, in Bradley Whitford in uh, Godzilla where he's basically winking at the camera the whole time? Like, yes, I know. I, I know I'm in this film. I don't think he was actually supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Alan Ford in Snatch, Bricktop. Mate, oh, that's a cracker. Well Everyone done. Everyone wanted Top, more Top in that film, after that film. Do you know what? And, but the problem is he then got timecast and he only ever, don't get me wrong, I don't know what his, his background was, but... Mm. But now he only plays that character. Yeah. And I've only ever seen him in one of the films, and that's like gangsters versus zombies. <laughs> which I've seen. Cockney zombies versus yeah, That's something exactly. like that, yeah. Um I feel like I'm gonna have to pull out a big hitter now. Because if this somehow we've turned this into a game of top trumps. What about a character that doesn't even speak English that the audience can't understand and it's constantly being translated by the main character? But he's loyal, he's brilliant. We wanna see more of him. A fan base in the billions, he's adored, and they're the one he wants. That's right. Peter Mayhew. Broke the mould when he played Chewbacca. And he was the character that we wanted more of. Chewbacca is on my list further down. I've got a couple of Star Wars mentions I to, you to wrap do. up. But Chewbacca was definitely one of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Hit me, hit me. What you got, what you got against Chewbacca, mate? Well, I thought we're going to go back to uh, an actor that we always sing the praises of. Someone who is naturally hilarious, but has picked up quite a few bad films. And that is Melissa McCarthy. But never forgetting Bridesmaids where she was undoubtedly the funniest character in that film. And that film already had a lot of talent and a lot of comedy. Do you know what, mate? I still think I should get my Jonathan Liblicky to last because I think it's the fucking best pull. <laughs> the rest of them the rest of them don't have the same panaz. I'm going to go with a big one now from an actor that you're not expecting. In a film where you've got Jack Nicholson, you've got Matt Damon, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who the fuck thought that Mark Wahlberg would steal a show in The Departed? He's only in it for three scenes and he's fucking phenomenal. I do. Maybe sometimes, yes, maybe no. Maybe go fuck yourself. Sometimes I go to my happy place and watch the ending when he gets killed. 
No, he does the oh, killing. Oh, he does the killing, doesn't he? Yeah, like, he, you kills, love he gets Mark, Mark David, doesn't he? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, I like to point out, he's, I don't like Mark Wahlberg. You know, a few weeks ago, and about a few weeks ago, we had months ago, where I was thinking like, is Daniel Craig a good actor? We need to discuss this on the podcast. I woke up one night and was like, Mark Wahlberg a good actor? No. No. <laughs> and then I went back to bed. Um, no, I mean, Mark Wahlberg's been in good films. Yeah, but they but they work despite him. <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never I've never caught the cinema going fucking Marky Mark's done it. But I I've got him here in this party. It, they've worked out. Oh, the, 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 I like him in the other guys. I'll, I'll give him the other guys. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah two out of how many films has he done? <laughs> it's a I'm just saying, like like you come out of that film and you think, you know what, Mark Wahlberg, the director, Martin Scorsese knew how to get the best out of him. Limit his screen time and his vocabulary. Well, make him swear. His home language. I was going to say, make him square. Make him, make him swear and give him the thick Boston accent, which he already has. Good. See you later. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just thinking, Mark Wahlberg, Sergeant Dinan. Yes. Um, Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park, going back to where we started talking about when being ill. His, his role as Malcolm, because you would say easily in that film, obviously it's, a, it's about, um, it's about Alan. It is about Alan. It's about Sam Neill's character. Laura Dern, I think is the sporting character in that. Jeff Goldblum's the third wheel Bit of scene stealer. He is a scene stealer. And I do I do think Jeff Goblin in general is a scene stealer in whatever he was in. I, I do agree with but, that. But in in Jurassic Park, I, I, I go back to that film at least once a year and I think the older I get, the more I realise how on the money he was in that film. Because I think like Laura Dern and Sam Neill, they've got a lot of like reacting to do, haven't they? Because they're out and about in the wild. They've got the kids to look after. They're the kind of the, the father figures, the parent, parental figures to the two kids. Whereas... Malcolm's dialogue is brilliant. He he is really good in that film. I think he's my favourite character in that film. And and there's some heavyweights in it. I mean that T Rex, mate. That made that T Rex phenomenal performance. That's a, that was the best recasting when it came back in the remakes. <laughs> it was when that came in. Right, so I hit you with a big hit with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but you thinking, what kind of film would Harvey Keitel be underrated in? Well, obviously you've got a few choices. You could even go with how he's uh, used in uh, Hotel. Budapest Hotel, Grand, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. Hotel. Great as the skin, skinhead <laughs> racist Nazi in jail. However, last week we talked about, a few weeks ago we talked about the coolest film characters and he's not in the film Pulp Fiction a lot, but when he's in it, he steals them scenes. As the wolf. You've gone Winston Wolf. I've gone Winston Wolf. Interesting, because the next one on my list is you, Christopher Walken from Pulp Fiction. Mate, do you want less time? But I do want to see how he smuggles that. Because <laughs> when you're watching Pulp Fiction... When you're watching Pulp Fiction, you need a flashback to why Bruce Willis loves that watch. And you need Christopher Walker telling the child about smuggling it through through his ass. Right, so... Right, actually, do you know what? I'm going to flip it on his head and I'll say that we're both wrong. Because when you watch Pulp Fiction and you're watching all these characters, the, the character whose backstory you want to know, who you want to see more about, is the gimp. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what's his story? Yeah. What's the gimp, the pawn shop owner, and Z? What, what, they do? what did they do for downtime? What, what, what were they going to do until these, until these boys showed up at their place. Like, like, what were they going to do? The kid was in the trunk, James. <laughs> All right, then. He was what just was he doing before? He was just chilling in that trunk. <laughs> just being here. That porn shop owner. Like, imagine like, people coming in and he's like, don't go in the back. How much is that trunk? Yeah, you don't want it. <laughs> don't don't yeah, great. It looks It looks spacious. Could you get could you get someone in it? Well, there is someone in it. <laughs> you won't fucking believe me. Look at this. He's got a ball gag on. Why, why is he a gimp? Can I ask questions? Also, Zed was at work, so he comes in his uniform. What do you mean he's here? Just cocking off for an hour, Dave. Where are you going to go? No you go? Okay. <laughs> You've got to the gimp, aren't you? <laughs> you got a gimp in the boot? No? There you are. 
have two. Yeah. <laughs> two hours, just in case some people show up randomly. <laughs> oh. The fuck are we on about? What is this devolved into? Is your go? Uh, I think so. No, oh, I no, died I, Chris Walken. I'd, I'd gimp. So let me, let, let me, there is only one winner and I've gotten to it a bit early. No, there's actually several winners. I'm going to go with a big hitter. In the film a lot, however, the big Lebowski doesn't work without Walter, <laughs> played by John Goodman. John Goodman, not the main character, in it a lot, on the boundaries, but I am C. I am, I'm pointing down scene stealer. See, I, 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 oh, do you know what I mean? big Lebowski and I thought, uh, um, Sam Elliott yeah oh yeah or Jesus the Jesus then he got, Jesus got a spin-off from it you know, did so, that no one saw yeah but yeah. again warranted enough of a what I, what I found really interesting yeah, is, that I don't think we've ever covered on the podcast is the, the theory the internet theory theory not theory <laughs> the internet theory that um, uh, Steve Buscemi's character in that yeah is from Con Air nice because if you look at Big Lebowski, same hairstyle. Yeah. Couple of years later. Yeah. No one goes to his funeral. Yes. And every time he's wearing a different name on his jersey, on his bowling outfit. Okay. So there's a theory that it's it that's the new identity of his character from Conair. Doesn't work unless he went back in time because the Big Lebowski set during the Gulf War. So and then Conair. I mean, actually, do you know what? We don't actually know when Conair was set, so maybe. Well, it could be a prequel then. Could be a, it could be a prequel. And then he dies, so he couldn't be on the airplane. <gasps> we faked his death. We could live in hope. <laughs> he faked his death so we could go kill children. <laughs> I'm I'm going big on my next one as well. In an actor that probably is more than the two movies, but I've put two films down for this this chap. One is Armageddon, the other is Constantine. Of course I'm talking about Pierre Stormare. Because How the is moment, Pierre Stormare not on my list? Because oh. the moment he pops up in Armageddon, you're like, yes, I'm in it now. I want this Russian in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, he's just chilling he's probably been up there 10 years fucking moment Ben Affleck in that turn up all hell broke loose I like him I like Peter Stormare in that film he breaks the tension of the asteroid and Corson Constantine having the time of his life in that movie Peter Stormare Peter Stormare that's mate you're crushing this list you're doing such a good job I feel, I feel like the only thing that's like completely not stopping me from falling under is when I have to throw out something like, you know, Tom Cruise as Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. That's my next one. <laughs> yeah, my next just, one just, yeah. gotta, just gotta throw that out because what a performance, mate. Yeah. What a performance. He's he's off the chain, mate. You can I even you were gonna say earlier when you mentioned Tom Cruise. I thought, oh, he's gonna he's gonna peak now, but he's of course. Peak. Yeah. An absolutely phenomenal performance where he doesn't care. Mm. It's the first time I've ever actually seen Tom Cruise like loose. It was fun. <laughs> it was good. I'd weirdly one of his best performances, don't get me wrong. Jonathan Nicky is probably still better. He did get outacted by Chad in his younger career, but he grew. Probably took some advice from Jonathan Nicky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> um, up next one, I put Sam Rockwell in everything. That's a good Again, shout. Again, another Bernie Mac scenario. If you've got Sam Rockwell in your movie, it could be anything. He could be a supporting actor, main star. He could be a piece of broccoli. <sighs> Sam Rockwell's going to steal the scene that he's in. Mate, I love Sam Rockwell. I think that's a great chance. I've got here, I've got an actor who, he doesn't steal the show, but never gets enough. Like, he needs more. I've gone William Fincher, and then I've got a list of movies. Black Hawk Down. What's his story? The Perfect Storm. What is his story? Or Heat. I know he's a businessman, but what's his story? <laughs> and then my favourite, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> what's his story? <laughs> never given enough story. But it's usually a good performance. Like, I, know it's, I know it's weak, but, you know, Hollywood, give, give, make him a leading man. 
I think he's passed it now, and he? He has passed it. He had his choice. Do you remember there was a TV show on Channel 4 about aliens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Yo, was it. That, I, that I, was his moment. Was, he got cancelled after one episode. That was it. That was his chance. He season one and lost, didn't it? And, and he got, I watched that and I got to the end of it. And it was like, fuck it, give us something. No. What is happening? There's lights <laughs> in the water. Who's an alien? I don't know. What's don't, happening? Turns out you didn't care. <laughs> Not enough to get a second season. Um, Hugh Grant, Paddington 2. Mate, that's a good shout. That's yeah, a good shout. Just delightful, that film. Oh, fuck. Right. I've, I've, another big hit. It's a massive name. You can't say they're underrated, but it's really hard to not watch the film Leon and Root for the bad guy with Gary Oldman. I was going to, I was going to put Gary Oldman, actually. Yeah. As Norman Stansfield. He overacts. He's great. He's cracking. In a weird way, I kind of want to see young Alan Portman die, just so, <laughs> just so the bad guy wins one. Yeah, I'd like to see him survive that explosion at the end yeah. and just see what he got up to next. Yeah. I want to or, see him on a holiday. I want to see him trying to relax. I wouldn't actually mind seeing him not on cooking. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he like? Normal day. I've got three when I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Mate. I, Could have had much more. Could have had many characters from that. But certainly, number one, Hedwig. Don't forget. Gone but not forgotten. God, never forgotten. Yeah. Um, Hagrid, from a personal standpoint, because that is my dream job. Yeah. Not only to be a landscape gardener, but at a school for wizardry. <laughs> like that, that is it, James. Like if anyone ever asks, that's what I want on my headstone. Could have been. Um, Niffler as well. Go, oh, going yeah. more towards Fantastic Bees, obviously. But the Niffler, how handy would it come? But like be having that as a pet. It'd be awesome. That would be awesome. This next one does take some explaining to do. I wonder if you'll follow me. You know Lord of the Rings? Uh-oh. You know the leader of the Nazgul? He gets a crown in the third film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to know more about him before he got the crown. <laughs> like, like when he's on it, he's pretty badass. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong <coughs> with Lord of the Ring. But they build him up like he's a big deal. Mm. And then he dies. <laughs> but I'm not, he's not a steam sealer. But I do want more of him. See, the, 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 my, when I went to Lord of the Rings, I was thinking, the Ents. Uh, fuck him. <laughs> I like the ends, mate. I like the ends, but 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 the on a fire when he just put his head out. <laughs> that, that, is, that scene is amazing. Yeah, but that's the problem. That end peaked then. That's that like when he goes to all the <laughs> auditions. They're like, you don't want to freeze away. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Dave Batista, Blade Runner. Oh, that's a good shout. That's a very good shout. I had a uh, Blade Runner. I've got um, yeah, I've got Batista as well. Have you? Yeah, definitely. You've never put Jared Leto. I thought he was good in Blade Runner. I Jared Leto has never made a list, James, on this podcast. I'll delete it. I'll change it with. Uh, I'll change it for James Hong in Everywhere, Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, where yeah. he plays the 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 father jumping dimensions. Everyone will go with obviously Young Short Round, but he's in it too much for me. It's the the old man, the one who wants to kill his granddaughter. I want to know more about him. I want to see what he's up to. I want to know why he wants to kill his granddaughter. I think. Although going, I going see. back to Jared Leto, just quickly, mate. I've, I've removed it. it. Don't count because IDET, but it's never. Been I destroyed. didn't mind Jared Leto at one point. I know, and now I kind of don't really like Jared Leto that much since he's become like this. Like, I, I don't know. He's just he's all over social media, doing trends and stuff. Maybe and that's why he was on my mind when I did it. I'd like to point out I've got the winner. Well, the thing is, I would agree though that I don't think we saw enough of his Joker. So is that a Steen Sealer? In the sense that you I could... did want to see more of it because I needed to see that art. I needed to see where that character was going. I needed to see, like, why, you, you know, is it David Ayers was it is mm, directed David like what the what the scope was for that character and and certainly what um, 
what's his name, uh, Zack Snyder had envisioned for the end of the Justice League trilogy. Yeah, when he's got his uh, badges and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I will admit, when I watched Suicide Squad, there was a moment of that where I was like, I do want to see more of his Joker. Because I, not because I was liking it necessarily, but because it was like, I, I feel like, because this is so different to Heath Ledger's version, Jack Nicholson's version, and Hamill's version. Yeah. But is that Steen Sealer? Is that is that just is that like when you find yourself like licking a battery? Like you know you shouldn't, but you kind of want it. You kind of want it. <laughs> I don't know because I never want to see any more of it. But I'm going to use Jared Leto to summon into one of my top three. Are we in top three territory? Oh no, I'm I'm just going to yeah, go. I'm, with... I'm I'm down to my. I'm down I'm down to three, but one is Star Wars, so there's a few names there. Okay, so my number three, yeah, Meatloaf Fight Club, where he plays Bob. He does. You've got to admit, he's great in it. Mm. And and I want to see more of Bob. I know he dies, but it'd be hard. I'm going to see. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be hard to see more of him, but yeah. but he's a great character. He's a phenomenal character. I, I mean, in Rocky Horror, you'd say you could you could argue that you see too much of him. Ooh. Sorry. One name, but two characters. And Innet's going to come at me because this guy has voiced and brought to life way many more characters than this. Alan Tudrick, Turek. I know who you mean. It's, it's basically the, the voice actor of this generation. Yeah. He's in everything. He's he, he, hi, hi, he, he, from Moana. Yeah, he Chicken. Does. And of course, uh, leading into Star Wars, uh, K2SO, the sarcastic droid in Rogue One. Mate, he's got, a, he's, he's a member, he's a crew member of Firefly. Forever he will fly. Yeah. It's bad the fact he died in this film, but you know, he lives on in my dreams. He lives on, exactly. <sighs> Mate, I don't think you're going to let me have this because originally I did have John Cena for Suicide Squad but I was like he's too big but he does steal the show but I went there is someone else in there Polka Dot Man played by David Dastmalshingen Polka Dot Man I accept there you go I would have accepted Cena because I I don't think I mean I would go King Shark in that actually and it goes back to my first one Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn knows how to create um, secondary characters that are intriguing and entertaining and if you're going to take your camera away from your lead actor or your sport actor, take best be fucking good. Best be shark. <laughs> is what I'm saying with this. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I really liked uh, Polka Dot Man. I thought he was funny. Dave Deschmolson as well. Is it? I mean, talk about someone who's hopped over from, you know, Ant-Man to Gotham to this. Yeah, I mean, he's he's all over. He's now writing comic books as well. He's everywhere. That guy is awesome. It's like the Polka Dot Man. So in my Star Wars category, here we go. Because there's so many. I did put Chewbacca. Obviously, I put K2SO. Um, I, I, <laughs> I put uh, Babu Frick. These are, these are deep cuts. If you know who these characters are, Rio Durant. Yep. Right, Rio Durant was in the Solo movies, voiced by John Favreau. Oh yeah, so of course he went is. Went down yes. fighting when they were taking down that yes. bridge, mate. Uh, Babu Frick was was in uh, Mandalorian Frick. and in obviously the last installment of the movie franchise. The little guys that could fix anything. Um, Kit Fisto, mate. Kit fucking Fisto. He's not dead. He, oh, he, he faked his death to take down the Empire. I still want him to make a cameo appearance in the uh, in the Mandalorian or something. Kit Fisto, if you don't know, green ten- uh, tentacles looking the, Jedi. The one that smiles. He's a smiling. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, a smile look, when he kind of like a green squid. I know that's going to upset a lot of Star Wars fans. Yeah, but he is. But he is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to be racist to the aliens, but he is. Yeah, um, he's the green octopus, mate. Go over it. Star Wars is is all about secondary characters and scene stealers. And I mean, God, look at Boba Fett for example. I mean, if you ever wanted a scene stealer, it's Boba Fett. 
you know, in it obviously in the original, not in Book of Boba, mm. but in uh, Empire. I mean, you know, in that movie for what six minutes, and everyone like going crazy over that character, wanting to know the backstory, and we got it. Yeah, we did. Careful what you wish for, but <laughs> Boba Fett as a character, but Star Wars, I think, is and and to you, Star Trek, I imagine, is the same. Yeah, they, there's so many interesting characters and species and worlds that you want to know more about. Um, so yeah, but there's to name but a few. I have one more. I so some of the people that didn't make this because I thought they were too big to maybe take this hit. Val Kilmer for Dark Holiday and Tombstone. I knew you were gonna. I thought that was gonna cap him. Um, Joe Pesci, Goodfellas, obviously. Tommy DeVito. He won won Oscar for that, didn't he? He did, and that's why he. That's why he's not on the list. And then I always talk about how Benicio del Toro and the Usual Suspects one of my favorite characters, Fenster. However, there's an actress. I could list you many roles. These are some of the films she's been in: Hereditary, The Handmaid's Tale. The TV series, True Detective Series 1. She plays the sister of the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marley and me. I'm talking about Anne Dowd. Mm. Anne Dowd is it. She's a secondary character actor. She's never going to get a main role, which is weird, because she's the best actor in those films I just mentioned. Well, maybe not hereditary. But she, Anne Anne Dowd, she's a tour de force, mate, of secondary acting. You want to be in a good storyline, you get Anne Dowd in. Someone else will take the plaudits, but it's Anne Dowd that does the work. She brings you in. You hate her as a character. She's forcing young women to breed against their will. She's manipulating you into giving birth to the Antichrist. Mm. She's banging her brother, who happens to be the serial killer and true detective. Mate, there can only be one person to call. That's right. It's motherfucking Andwoud. Also on the list was, because he's died recently, uh, Lance Reddick. Because, you know, Lance Reddick, he's phenomenal in everything. I look at Lance Reddick, yeah. 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 So that's a shame. But, you know, there's that. Boom. Andwoud, mate. You ain't coming at me with nothing but Andwell. Andwell's number one in number two acting. <laughs> in a film where you've got Kiefer Sutherland, <gasps> Jason Patrick, Corey oh. Fieldman. Oh, no. Alex Winter. Oh, no. I'm talking about Lost Boys. Yeah, I know you. It's saxophone man. <laughs> saxophone man steals saxophone the man. <laughs> He's been cashing in that check <laughs> mate, since that movie. Mate, forever to be known in this podcast, that's why it is fucking Sean Michaels half naked playing the saxophone he's saxophone man saxophone sets man. up that story immediately <laughs> you don't need to if he's not in it I'm not interested <laughs> I want the backstory I want to know where he learned how to how, how he learned to I wanted to use the lungs like that I want to know the, the question about him though is is I want to know his routine when he gets up does he practice the saxophone does he work out does he apply baby oil I want to know how mm. I also want to know you know if we're going technically deep into the last boys I want to know the owners of the comic book store, why are they open it to in the morning? Why? Why? A lot of questions in this town. How do they deal? <laughs> How do they deal with their with with bad guys, villains, stealing their comic books and running away, raring? I want to know about the security guards. That's very overprotective when vampires come on without safety harnesses and he tells them to move. For their own safety, I might add. I want to know why, why he doesn't go back home to his wife. I want to know what she gets up to. Oh, I'm worried about him. When he left today, he's got to make sure the teenagers were safe on their ride. But he doesn't come back. And what was the lead guy's name? I think it's Michael. Michael. <laughs> still one of my favourite episodes we've ever done. I Lost Boys that. episode was great. And, and, and still one of my favourite films. It's still one of my favourite vampire movies. I'm gonna, it's not on anything, I don't think, because Esther's never seen it. <laughs> but I feel like she has seen it because she's listened to the episode. She needs to be careful if she didn't watch the episode because it's, really. it's dangerous. Like that film. So sorry. we're, I 100% agree with you. Um, it's jazzed up saxophone, man. Do let us know. We'll put a post out there if we remember this week. <laughs> not <laughs> too ill. Watch him marry me. What is, what is your uh, favourite scene stealer uh, so not a sporting actor not you know someone who's integral to the storyline someone who's in the background someone who's part of the crew like we say family member best friend love interest 
comic relief. Jonathan Nip- Nip- Lipnicki. <laughs> That's who we want. <laughs> Who's your favourite scene stealer from a film? That is our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for bearing with us. Thanks for downloading this episode. If you liked it, subscribe. We get a new episode each and every week. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon, anywhere like that, do leave us a review. Tick that little five-star thing. It really does help. It helps put us on the radar of more people. World domination is at our fingertips, James. It is just there. And before we go, I obviously like to say that we obviously missed out the greatest Dean Sealer of all time, 1989. It's the Batmobile. Thank you and good oh, night. Oh, you fucker. I put Batmobile. I, do you know what? I fucking put Batmobile as well. And I, I thought that was how I was going to end it. And then I put a saxophone, man. That's so weird. I fucking was it because I was gonna go on this big spiel about like not not the other Batmobiles. It has to be the eighty nine Batmobile. That's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's the nineteen eighty nine Batmobile. It is. Yeah. 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 That's our show. Don't see you later. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Goodbye. That's so weird.